So, but before anyone ever gets anywhere, there's always someone helps them get there. How many know that? You're probably here because someone helped you. How many someone someone helped me get here? It's true, isn't it? And uh, sometimes we see the focus on the people who go and do great things, but always behind someone who is doing something great, there are other people who have helped them get there. And it's the ministry of encouragement I want to talk on today. Next week we'll begin to sow in and talk in about the whole area of uh, mission and our call to nations. But I want to today just begin to sow in the ministry of encouragement. I want to show you how it's a ministry for everyone, and you never know whether the person you encourage becomes a nation changer. And maybe you will not register in uh, history as someone who was greatly known, but someone you invested in might just be a person who changed a nation. And so all of us have got that ministry of encouragement. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9, God speaks to Joshua. And uh, I like it when God encourages us. How many knows God is a tremendous encourager? Accusation and condemnation and put-downs all come from hell. They never come from God. The Bible is very clear. No condemnations in God. No condemnation of those who walk in Christ, follow the Spirit. But God is a great encourager. So Joshua is a young man and he's poised, ready to go in and do something that had never been done before. Just like Doug and Kalinda are poised uh, to go into China and do something that we have not done up there before. And God spoke to him. And God spoke a word in chapter 1 and verse 9. He said, be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. For I, the Lord your God, am with you. Now what a great word from God. Be strong. Be strong, be of good courage, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed. Fear has the power to destroy our visions, dreams, and hopes. Dismayed means to lose heart, to be discouraged. Discouragement in the face of adversity, difficulty, setbacks, resistance from people, challenges, uh, lacks, all of those things are common to all of us. There's not a person here that doesn't find a time Fear comes around our life, especially if you want to try something new. Discouragement is ever-present, ready to take courage out of your heart and take away from you the ability to boldly face a challenge, to face some temptation, to face some conflict, some situation. Always fear and discouragement are present everywhere. There's not a day you go by that it isn't present uh, waiting to steal away from you the dream and destiny God has. But God's word is, be strong. Have an internal strength and a courage to stand up and pursue the dream God put in your heart. Have a courage to stand up, no matter what you face, to push past it, because God is with you. If God has put a seed of dream in your heart, if God has put something of destiny inside you, it's absolutely he will stand with you and help you fulfill it. He requires, though, that you be resolute. He requires that you be courageous and face the things that are difficult. And not only that, we find that we need others to speak to us too, words of encouragement. I notice the end of Joshua chapter 1, I find there, it's not on. Well, isn't that good? I've got the microphone on. 
Praise the Lord. Well, I can hardly tell the difference. There it is. It's on now, that's for sure. Have we got good sound coming through now? Wonderful. Not much volume. Okay, I'll keep using this and you can fiddle around with the dials. I want to keep on the flow. And so one of the things that the people do is they said also to Joshua, be strong and of good courage. So here was a young man poised to step out and take on a challenge no one had ever taken on before. There were giants, there were obstacles, there were situations he had never faced before. But what he needed was to have courage in his heart. And you and I can all take place in the ministry of putting courage into the heart of others to pursue their dream. There's not one of us sitting here today that God hasn't so desires, dreams, and a destiny into us. Very few, however, have the courage to own them and wholeheartedly pursue them. It's so much easier to wait and pray for God to do something. It's easier to wait and pray for God to bring some great move or some great revival. But it takes great courage to discover the dreams in your heart, the desires in your heart, the things God has put there, and to stand up and resolutely pursue them. And yet, we can be greatly helped by others. And one of the things I would want in Bay City is to have a culture where encouragement is natural. We encourage one another. Most time when you come up with something new, people say, who do you think you are? I mean, when I came here with a great dream to do something in Hastings, people said, who do you think you are? You won't last. Oh, well, that wasn't very encouraging, was it? So I've noticed this over life, that people do tend to speak negative words. Well, you won't have enough money. We're going to do that. And often people, out of a misplaced concern or their own negatives, or because you seeking to fulfill your dream exposes in them they're not seeking theirs. And so they want to put your dream down. I want us to go in the New Testament and have a look at a particular ministry of encouragement. First of all, I want you to look at me in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. So we don't only need to encourage ourselves in God, we need to have people around us who will encourage us as well. And the Bible's full of examples of it, of needing to encourage ourselves, but also needing others to encourage us as well. So if you're going to be a man of God, if you're going to fulfill a dream in your life, you've got to have something in you courageous enough to fulfill it. And so David in 1 Samuel 30, when everything was against him, encouraged himself in the Lord. You've got to learn how to stand up and hold on to God and let courage come from God into you. Paul was another man, and it tells us in 1 Timothy, at one point, no one stood with Paul. He was all on his own. And I've come to the conclusion after years in ministry, there are times and seasons when it's nice to have people around, but there are times and seasons when you are all on your own, it seems, and you have to encourage yourself in God, draw strength from the living God to pursue the call and finish with strength. But there are other times when God brings people into your life to encourage you. So David had a Jonathan, and Jonathan came alongside David, it tells us, and strengthened him. It's great to have people come alongside you and put courage into your heart. The way he put courage into his heart was he came alongside him when he was all alone. That puts courage into you, just coming, someone coming to your aid and, and support. He risked a lot in doing that. Second thing that Jonathan did was this. He affirmed the dream that David had. 
said, I know that dream's going to take place and I know God is in it. And I want you to know I'll be with you when you're up there and that dream's fulfilled. Fully supported him. But you know, we all need encouragement. Look, it says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Brothers, speaking to all of us, uh, beware or take watch out, case in any of you there's an evil heart of unbelief in separating or departing from the living God. But encourage one another daily while it's called a day, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So notice what he's saying. He's saying, and he's talking to Christians, he's talking to believers, and he says this, it is very easy to get disheartened, discouraged, and to shut down in your heart towards God because of difficulties, setbacks, painful experiences, pressures, hardships. It's very easy when we face those things to shut down and stop trusting God and a heart of unbelief comes around us and we no longer trust God. We've just closed up and now we're just surviving. And so he says, watch out lest your heart end up and there's no living faith in God. When there's a living faith in God, we constantly talk what God is doing. We constantly affirm what God is doing. We speak God's Word and promises over our life. And we get busy doing them. When unbelief takes place in our life, well, we just stagger along doing the best we can. But there's no effort to pursue a dream or a vision. No effort to pursue something that's got risk in it. We just settle. And so the Bible says, encourage and exhort one another every day. What? Not just Sundays. Every day, encourage someone. Put courage into their heart. Put strength inside them so they can rise above their fears and pains and the difficulties and pursue what they know they ought to do. Put courage into the heart of people around you. We live in a culture which is very negative, but the people of God are called to be an encouraging people, to inspire courage. Put it into someone's spirit. Someone alongside you needs encouragement today. They may be facing a marriage situation, a situation with children, a situation in their work, a situation in their personal life, and their courage and strength is faltering, and they're wondering whether they can make it, and they're wondering whether God really cares. You can come alongside them, and you can put courage into their life. You can impart courage. That's what encouragement is. Encouragement is not just Oh, praise the Lord, there you go. You've got a good call on your life. God bless you, brother. That's what most people think encouragement is. Encouragement is an impartation into someone's life in such a way that their level of courage and willingness to face their challenges rises. And they walk away from you strengthened with resolve to carry on. Huh? Every person here is called to speak like that to be an encourager. Brothers, encourage one another. It's one of the ministries every believer has, a ministry called encouragement, not a ministry of discouragement. Only the devil has a ministry of discouragement, and if you put discouragement into hearts, you are allied with a demonic spirit. You are stripping God's work of its value and are already in a place of unbelief. God doesn't want that. God wants us to encourage others. You know, to put hope in them. You can do it. You've got greatness in you. You've got more in you than you realize. I see in you the possibility 
of taking down that giant. Every person needs people around them who will put courage in. Even if you don't know what's I want to share with you someone. Now, we know in the Bible the history of Paul. Last week, we, a week or so ago, I was talking about Paul and how Paul was a madly persecuting the church, killing Christians, torturing them, breaking up homes and families, doing all kinds of terrible things. He's a wicked man. And he did it all in the name of God, all in the name of religion. And God came to him and God glory appeared to him and he got blinded and knocked off his horse and fell over and then he's sitting there blind. Now here's the interesting thing. For him to fulfill the great call he had required others to encourage him. He never got there on his own and neither will you. Sometimes in our culture independence is very highly valued but the Bible values interdependence. The Bible values community. The Bible values us being part of a body of people where there are relationships, where there's mutual encouragement. Exhort one another daily. You've got to be in a place of relationship for that to happen. Someone needs to know you enough to know that you need encouragement. But Paul, you can imagine the struggles Paul had as a murderer of the church becoming established as an apostle. How does a person shift? One thing to have a great vision from God, but someone come along him and spoke a word of prophecy over him. That was Ananias. Ananias encouraged him. Ananias come over, laid hands on him and spoke a word into his life of destiny, spoke prophetically into his life. That's encouragement, speaking prophetically and calling a destiny out. But there was another man, and this man is an apostle of encouragement. And this was the man that significantly shifted Paul and helped Paul become one of the greatest men in the New Testament. And I don't think we'd have seen a Paul in the New Testament without Barnabas to help him get there. And I want to show you about five or four or five or six things about the ministry of encouragement. So we're going to have a look quickly in Acts chapter 4. Then I want to just quickly highlight for you some things about the ministry of encouragement because it's more than just giving someone a pat on the back. Go into Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. See if you can find Acts 4. Hey, there it is, Acts chapter 4. And uh, let's see if I can find it now. And we start off with the first mention of Barnabas. And uh, we'll pick it up there in verse uh, 32. Now the multitude, chose, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And neither did anyone say any things he possessed were his own. They had everything common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Great grace was on them. In other words, there was a wonderful presence of God, generosity. Was like all kinds of things were happening. Neither there's anyone among them who lacked. So there was a huge spirit of generosity. Great grace means great generosity because grace empowers people. It does things that get people moving. And uh, so people sold things and they laid them at the apostles' feet, distributed to the needs of everyone who had a need. So great grace means great generosity and needs meeting. And Joseph, or Joseph, who was called Barnabas by the apostles, which means son of encouragement, is a Levite of the country of Cyprus. And having land, he sold it and bought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, we want to talk about this guy Barnabas. Barnabas. His name was Joseph, which means God will add, or he adds. So the first thing about him was he a person who added benefit or value to people. Do you add benefit or value in relationships? 
or do you strip it away? Are people glad to have you come because they feel value added, or is your negative talk and critical talk eroding value? He was called by the apostles. In other words, notice this, this is a season of great grace. There's a lot of things happening, a lot of miracles. God is doing many, many things, but one man stood out in the midst of it that had more grace on his life than anyone, and his name was Joseph, and they, he was so impressive, they called him Barnabas. Barnabas comes from the word bar, meaning son, or the word, it comes from the original word ben, meaning to be a builder of the house. A son is a builder of the house. You can be a servant, you just do a job, you're a son, you're a builder of people, a builder of the house. And so his name Barnabas, the word neighbors means literally uh, to prophesy or to bubble up, inspire, and encourage others. So he was such an encourager of people and had such a ministry of encouragement to people that they gave him the nickname, he's the son of encouragement. He's a man who puts encouragement into everyone he gets near. What a name. Fancy people calling you that, calling you Barnabas, the son of encouragement. Notice the first thing you notice about him uh, when you look at him was he was generous with his money. He was generous with his money. He had a piece of land, sold the land and distributed. He connected with the apostolic oversight, apostolic leadership, and he was generous and he gave. There were many needs there and he gave. You can't be an encourager unless you develop a spirit of generosity. God is generous. To be gracious is to be generous. To be bigger than the problems and issues and to show generosity. Generosity is shown with words, encouraging words, praising words, affirming words, generosity with thankful words. I find in the body of Christ, often people are incredibly ungrateful. People forget to thank someone else who helped their life or touched their life. Almost like, well, it's my right, I expect it. Who said it's your right? Isn't your right at all? Someone gives to you, you should thank them and appreciate them. So generosity is an aspect of God. God so loved, He gave, He gives generously and abundantly. It's the nature of God to be generous. To be generous doesn't mean you have a lot of money. It means you have a quality of God operating in your life. I've seen people with very little, but they, may, they were generous. Their, their attitude was generous. Their spirit was generous. Their, their money was generous. Money takes on your nature. If you're a generous person, money will take on a generous nature. If you're mean, doesn't matter how little you have or as much as you have, it's still mean, a mean spirit, a mean with money. Money always takes on the nature you have. So God is a generous God. He gives and gives. We're not even when we deserve it, He gives. People don't understand graciousness and generosity, but God is abundantly generous. How generous are you? Generous with time, generous with actions, generous with help, generous with support, generous with what you have, generous with your resources. One of the first ways you encourage people is through generosity. He had a generous spirit, a generous heart. Do you have that? You could develop that. And one of the ways you develop it is you become thankful for the blessings you've got. Begin to think of every person who has done something good to you, helped you in any kind of way. Begin to thank them, write a note, appreciate them, encourage them. Begin to develop thankfulness. And then what you'll do is you'll start to find generosity will flow. So generosity. So notice the first thing is he's generous. 
I don't think you're ever going to encourage anyone if you're mean. He was generous. See, so generous. Here's the second thing, you know. He saw potential in, in people. Encouraging people see potential in others. In Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Now, of course, we think about Paul. We just think about what we know about him. But you understand that when Paul was first came on the scene, Paul was known as the great persecutor, the great destroyer of the church, the great killer of Christians. He was the one who killed many Christians. He was the one responsible for Stephen's death. And yet here he is. You look at a person like that, all you can do is look at them and say, what a madman. I'm not having anything to do with such a person. He deserves to be punished. So how would you feel, what would you think if we knew that for the last six months in, in Hastings that families among us had been murdered and killed and tortured and destroyed and then now Lynn brings that man who did all of that into the church. Well, you would have a lot of fear. You would be afraid that he would recognize you, remember you and you'll be next in jail. You would have the fear about why he is here. You would have fear about what he might do. You know, in, in China, in the underground church, they fear who comes into their meetings. They never know when the secret police have come in. That would be the level of fear associated with Paul coming into a meeting. You're not someone you could just bring into a meeting and leave him there. You bring him into a meeting, everyone knows that is the man that's tortured my relatives killed my friends, persecuted the church, scattered it all over the place. You imagine the problem mentally in bringing such a person. Now, what is the problem? The problem is people's fear of his history. It's their fear of how he has conducted his life in the past and their inability to see what God has got on his life for the future. And one of the things that stops us encouraging people is we see their past and we don't see, we see their history, we don't see their destiny. So you can look around the church here and there'll be some people and you'll have some bad opinions about them for all kinds of reasons, but every time it'll be their history. The hardest thing is to move past that and see their destiny, see what's inside them, what could be. So an encourager observes and calls forth the destiny of people. That's why encouragers are needed, because they see what you could be and pull it out of you. They see what you could be and connect you to people that can help you. So we find in Acts chapter 9, when the whole church was terrified of Paul, this is what Barnabas did. Barnabas went and he got Paul and he brought Paul in and he brought him right into the middle of the church, took him with him, brought him right up here, and then he began to talk to the church about Paul. And he said, I know you're fearful of this man, and I know he's done a lot of harm and damage, but I see what God has put in his life, and I believe he has a great call upon his life, and I'm standing with him. That's an encouraging ministry. So he notice it, he sees the sees past the history to the potential and stands with them. Most of them were full of fear. So, but he stood in the gap. Notice what he did there in Acts chapter 9. Verse 26, when Saul came to Jerusalem, tried to join the disciples, they were all, notice, all afraid of him, and they did not believe he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, 
and declared the testimony of Paul. Now, isn't that something? That is the ministry of encouragement. Not only is it generous, it sees the potential in people and is willing to associate with messy people. Yeah, I know that he's a biker and you've seen his name over the front of the paper for what he did, but I see that God has spoken to him and there's a call in his life. And I'm going to support him as he finds that call. You know, Barnabas risked his reputation in the church. He risked his position in the church to stand alongside someone who he saw had potential. That's what an encourager does. Risks their own reputation to bring other people forward and help them because they see their potential. It's pretty good, this ministry of encouragement, isn't it? We'll see some more. Here's another little bit. Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. Verse 22, all the things that had happened in Antioch came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. They sent Barnabas out as far as Antioch. And when he came and seen the grace of God, he was glad. Notice there he is again. Oh, he encouraged them all. He encouraged them to cling to God. He encouraged them in the work of the Lord. That's what he did. And notice this, encouragement. Many people were added to the Lord. He was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and faith. Encouragers are good people. I know a lot of prophets, and they're not very good people. Because they let people hurt after they've ministered. This was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost, full of faith, and he was a good man. He lifted people up. He encouraged people, and lots of people were added because of encouragement. Ministry of encouragement is so vital in the church. Notice this. After he, now, notice this. He is in the middle of a move of God. He is the center of attention. He's the apostle in Antioch in the middle of the move of God. And you know what he does? He then stops what he's doing and lays his own ministry down so he can go and get Paul because he knows that Paul could come into that place and do more than he could. That is an encourager. Whoa! Encouragers are not afraid to make room for people with greater gifts than themselves. Well, you have to be pretty secure to do that, to invite someone into your team who's much more gifted than you and obviously is going to outshine you and probably will become the leader in the center. He brought him in anyway. That's the heart of an encourager. He saw what the people needed. They, they needed what Paul had. And so he stopped the revival, and notice this, he went to look for Paul, and he had to really hunt him now. It took him a lot of effort to find him. When he found him, he got him included in what God was done, doing. So notice this, this is another thing that an encourager do, they make room for the gifts of others. An encouraging person will make room for the gifts of others. Do you make room for others with gifts in your life? Do you call them forth, bring them forth, make room for them, even if they're potentially bigger than yours? That's what an encourager does. Now let's look at the last couple of things in Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. They ministered to the Lord and fasted. Verse 2, the Holy Ghost said, separate to me. Notice the order of this. Barnabas and Saul to the work that I have called them. And when they fasted and prayed, lay hands on them, they sent them away. Here's the next thing they did. You notice that the Holy Ghost spoke to Barnabas and Saul. And when you read through the Bible, you find always the order is like this. Barnabas and Saul. And then the anointing gets on him. 
under the ministry of encouragement and the ministry of grace in Barnabas, Saul begins to rise up. And he begins to do more miracles than Barnabas did. He brings judgment on a sorcerer and gets his eyes blinded. Barnabas gets raised from the dead. Uh, sorry, Saul gets raised from the dead after he's been stoned. And, and Barnabas begins to realize that this man has got a much greater gift and call than he has. Notice what he did. It starts off, Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul, then it becomes Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, then it becomes Paul. Now when you look at the progression, you'll see that the ministry of grace and encouragement around Barnabas shaped Paul and then called him forth. Remember, Paul was a legalist. He, he was under the letter of the law. But under the ministry of grace and encouragement that was on Barnabas, he began to thrive and came forth. It must have been hard to overcome murdering Christians. must have been hard to overcome the guilt, the grief, the regret of his past. It's very hard to overcome some of the things we've done. Some of you may be today struggling of the things you've done that you wish you'd never done, that you hate, and they cause constant feelings of regret. But a ministry of encouragement and grace can pull you out of all of that and bring you up into your destiny. Everyone needs someone to believe in them. And so Barnabas, it was Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul, and then gradually Barnabas steps back and Paul comes forward and then Paul becomes the great leading light. That's what an encourager does, can see and nurture the gifting in others and bring them forth to become greater than they are. Isn't that fantastic? You want to be an encourager? Well, you've got to look out for people and then bring them forward. And if they're bigger and better than you, wonderful, rejoice in it and let them go for it. Here's the next thing he did in Acts chapter 15. Just finished a couple of things. In Acts chapter 15, he stands with Paul during a time of great conflict. And uh, verse 12 says, The multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring the work of miracles and wonders of God worked among them. So notice now, this is what's happening. The church is in danger of dividing. And the reason it's dividing is because there's a group of Jewish people who want everyone to stay doing all the Jewish law. Paul has been an apostle to the Gentiles and now works among the Gentiles. Barnabas brings Paul in, and now Barnabas stands up again. He says, listen, you've got to hear what God has been doing through Paul. And he makes room for Paul, and, and it's a decisive moment. So notice this. The church was in conflict and he stood with Paul and enabled the whole situation to turn around. So an encourager will stand with others in the time of conflict. If you are an encourager, you stand with others in a time of conflict. Often when there's a time of conflict, it's easy to withdraw. But we need to stand with others. Then here's the last one. It's also found in Acts chapter 15. People who are encouragers are able to stand in their own call confidently. There was a huge argument between Saul, Paul and Barnabas. You know what? The argument was over. Here's what the argument was over. It's a very, very simple thing. Paul and Barnabas were having to choose their team for the next missionary trip. And Barnabas wanted to bring John Mark. John Mark was a relative. John Mark had been on a former trip. But unfortunately, on the former trip, uh, when it got tough and Saul, Paul got stoned and the crowds were rioting and they looked like everyone was going to die. You know, John Mark weakened a bit and he took off home, went home to mum. I don't like that missionary trip. Well, I mean, lovely to hear nice missionary trips. Another one when you hear them when they want to stone you. 
And it's another thing when they successfully stone you, and the key, they stone the leader, and the leader dies and rises from the dead. And then everywhere you go, there's troubles. Paul had troubles with him everywhere he went. And so there's a conflict, and the conflict's very simply this. Barnabas, out of a ministry of encouragement, wants Mark to be part of the team. Paul is saying, he's a wimp, he won't cut it, not tough enough, he ran out on us the last time, not having him in the team. Now, you can understand why he thought that way. Barnabas is a ministry of encouragement, and he stood up to Paul. Now, that's not an easy thing to stand up to Paul. Paul was very articulate, very strong, very forceful, strong and powerful arguments, and that is a powerful argument. This wimpy fella ran out when we were in trouble. You can't lean on such a person. And Barnabas is saying, I know he did all of that kind of stuff. I know he ran out. I know he fell. But this boy's got good in him. This boy can make it. I know if he was just encouraged some more, he could get up. And so Barnabas had a row with Paul so strongly that Barnabas separated from Paul. Paul went with Silas. Barnabas went with John Mark. You think, boy, what was all that about? Simply this. Barnabas remained true to who he was and his call. He was called to be an encourager and to believe in people and bring them forth, even if they've mucked up. John Mark was one of the apostles of Jesus, but he mucked up and ran away when the pressure came on. Barnabas said, I see good in that boy, and you watch, we're going to get him back into ministry. If you read later on the book of Timothy, you'll find Timothy writes a letter and he says, would you bring John Mark to me? He's very useful to me for ministry. And notice this, the ministry of encouragement, what it is, is first full of generosity. It sees the potential in people, not their history, and helps them come forward and get connected properly. It makes room for them in ministry. It calls forth and encourages their gifts to excel by imparting grace and encouragement. And when someone falls, it stands with the one who fell, lifts them up again, and gets them back on the route again. What a ministry, a ministry of encouragement. You have that ministry, did you know? Because we're all called to encourage one another, every one of us. How many of you can answer this question? You have been, or maybe you are now, at a time where you needed someone to encourage you. It looked like you were overwhelmed. It looked like it was impossible. It looked like you were going to sink. It looked too much for you. You needed someone to come and just put encouragement in your heart. How many can remember a time like that? Well, that's pretty well all of us. Why don't you put your hand down? I wonder then how many of you can remember the person who came to you and encouraged you at that time? How many can remember someone who did that? Isn't that great? And what it did to you was lift your spirit, put courage back in, and instead of being overwhelmed and collapsing, you got up and carried on into the work God called you to do. That's a ministry we've all got. There might be some today who are really discouraged. Well, God could help you today. We'd love to pray and minister to people today who are discouraged. If you've got discouragement over your life, for whatever reason, or you're just overwhelmed and you've lost courage, and maybe you're just feeling down and saddened by it all and don't know quite what to do, well, someone could come and stand with you. But probably the first thing to do is to recognize there is one person who's the greatest encourager of all. It's the Spirit of God. You know that word 
Barnabas, he was called a son of encouragement or a son of consolation. The word they use there is this. It's the same word used to describe the Holy Spirit. Barnabas was called a son of the Holy Spirit. Barnabas was called a son who ministered just like the Holy Spirit and brought the Holy Spirit's comfort to people. Barnabas carried the Spirit of God so wherever he went, people felt God's encouragement. The first place to look for encouragement is in God. That's what David did, Paul did. We all need to do it. 